I'm Dr. Jamie Grant. I'm a bossy femme bottom, and this is Just Sex, Mapping Your Desire. I'm excited to bring two mappers to the podcast today. Julian Glover, whom I met when they were interning at the National LGBTQ Task Force, and we immediately started working together on mapping workshops. Julian has been a mapper for about eight years, I think. Eight years. We're also joined by Bishop Howard, who has been in the mapping universe for about two years Mm -hmm, now, right? mm -hmm. Taking the workshop and some of the related programming at the National LGBTQ Leadership Conference, Creating Change. Well, hello, Julian and Bishop, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Yeah, so excited. Well, if you could introduce yourself to our listeners with three descriptors of your desire and then any other important information about you that we should all know. Okay, Um, I can start. Um, So my name is Bishop Howard. My pronouns are they, them. Um, My three words are intimate, thought, and blouse. Mm. I'm Julian Kavan Glover. Um, I welcome all pronouns. Um, mine are definitely oral, switchy blouse. Okay. Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, since you've both used the term blouse, and I had not heard it until I think I heard you say it two years ago at Creating Change, yes. maybe you could, for our listeners, explain what a blouse is yes. or what that identification is. Lovely, Alicia. A blouse is quite simply a femme top, as you would think that you would go into a store and you know <laughs> you want to buy something nice, something flowy, yeah. something that you can you know put on, take off, <laughs> right whenever you like. Right, you know, that fits very makes, well with like any bottom. Right? <laughs> something that makes you feel good all the time. Something that leaves you wanting more. Mm-hmm. Many times smells good. <laughs> you know, but most most importantly, it's very you soft and sensual. Right. See, like yeah. most importantly, you develop a kind of you know, like sexual and intimate relationship mm-hmm. with the blouse. And for us, it's it, they go hand in hand. These mm-hmm. Well, I love the term the first time I heard it. Mm-hmm. And femme top is such, you know, people don't think it exists. Can you just talk about that a little, just as a, an identification and what it means for you to take up mm-hmm. space as a blouse? Yeah. For me, I mean, I think back to early identity like figuring out my identity and where sex fell into the person that I am and just being a femme person and just you know growing up and being picked on because you're a femme person Mm -hmm. it kind of like puts you in that space of thinking sometimes that you're like lower and then like you know I felt like I had to play this one role I had to be a bottom because I was femme precisely you know and Mm -hmm. that just you know femme people seem to be the you know the depicted as the ones who receive Mm-hmm. Coming, you know, into terms of what my sex was and the ways that in which I like to have sex and discovering, because of Julian, this term, this blouse term that I'm a femme person who identifies as a top is very empowering mm-hmm. and just also very, like, grounding who I am sexually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's also important to know that, you know, the folks, blouse works so well for some folks particularly folks who are assigned male at birth, who are also racialized as black, Mm -hmm. to be able to occupy a space of, you know, at some points being dominant without also reproducing very violent non-relations or what Mm -hmm. Audre Lorde might say, sensation without feeling, or what Mm -hmm. she Mm -hmm. called pornography, right? Mm. Yeah, this very raw, hyper-masculine type of feature that we don't exude sometimes. You know, you don't... 
like having getting those those same types of pleasure from people who do not you know give that off and just have this very like loving mm-hmm. um, nature and just also glowing nature when it comes to ourselves and how we present ourselves mm, it increases that. kind of like that experience when you're sexually giving yourself to another person and it's about taking care of our partners mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. because we know too many selfish okay there's no other way to say yeah. it and not emotional tops and it's, it's like oh you, you know I just did my business you go take care of yourself the sensation exactly. without yeah. the feeling mm-hmm. that, that's, that's mm-hmm. not cute no not at all it's supposed to be 2020 no, <laughs> not that's beautiful so both of you are in a big transition now Julian you just left Chicago to go south Richmond to complete your PhD program and start a path as a professor yes and yes. Bishop, you also left Chicago did, yeah. to move to the left coast, as we say, <laughs> here on the East Coast. And yeah. You're in San Francisco I now, am, taking on a new LGBT leadership mm-hmm, position mm-hmm. in the community. And I wonder what kind of impact leaving you know, your home base has had on your desire. Mm-hmm. How's desire local? How do we locate ourselves? What's, mm-hmm. what's the geography? What's mm-hmm. happening for you? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll definitely say, so I moved from Chicago to Richmond, Virginia, where I'm currently visiting scholar at Virginia Commonwealth University in the Department of Dance and Choreography. So I'm their resident performance theorist. Wow. So it's a blessing to be at a public arts institution, number one in the country, because the students are all really social justice minded. Mm. They're all seemingly queer, everybody, and their third partner, uh, Polly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So it's very fab in that way. So I definitely feel like I've fit in. But the one thing that I'm really having to navigate now is being in a very kind of public, clear position of power. Yes. Right? You know, becoming a professor means that I am now faculty. So I am no, I am no longer have access and um, by proximity, right, and by position to a group of people who I was just, you know, three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was just me, just, you know, a skip yes. and a jump up. <laughs> yes. So that has been very difficult, and there are some students who try me because... I'm fab. They know I'm. They're fab. They, right. know, they think I'm fab, and yep. that's all we're gonna be is fab. Okay. So you know it's been difficult on mm. my desire because they're the kinds of folks that I've been attracted to, kinds of folks, especially in terms of like my ability to be vulnerable and to have a lot of intimacy with have definitely dwindled. Mm-hmm. I've gone from being in a place where you, I am one of several in a neighborhood mm-hmm. where you open the apps and you go two blocks up and your entire queue changes mm-hmm. to going you know, to an entire city mm-hmm. where half the profiles right, are people who have no pictures. Right? Mm-hmm. So a very different way of relating. Yeah. And so honestly what it has done for me it has made the few escapades, and that's exactly what I call them now. The few few escapades escapades. that I do have, that I do get to have, makes those all the more special, all the more intimate. And I really have been kind of leaning into those Mm -hmm. and understanding that I'm in a part of my life now. I'm 28. My Saturn return Mm -hmm. is just starting. So I know house of home and family. So I know that I'm in transition with regard to my intimate relationships. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited and honoring the ones that I do have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like for me, you know, I, I very much found my sexual self in Chicago. Mm -hmm. I I discovered all of the sexy things that I loved about myself. I found this love for my body and love for my feminist. 
everything about Chicago is very just intertwined in me because of that. Mm -hmm. Leaving it was hard. <laughs> yeah, so I moved to you know San Francisco. I started this job at this amazing nonprofit called Lyric. I'm the health and wellness program manager. I manage three programs, gender health services, coordinated entry, so getting homeless youth um, assigned to housing, and prep navigation and STI and like sex education oh, work. Big work. Um, yeah, very much so. And so moved to this new place. And this is the first time, this is you know me kicking off my career. So I made this move for my career. And what that meant was like I gave up a lot of my social life. I, I have built super, like since I've, allowed intimacy as a part of my sex life. Mm -hmm. I built these super like intimate connections in Chicago with these amazing and beautiful people that I have just amazing and beautiful sex with. Mm -hmm. And then like left that like cold turkey. <laughs> just moved to this place where I have a few friends, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I don't have that intimacy and like that has been incredibly hard. Yep. Being like without and like feeling almost like not whole because I'm without this intimacy that has filled my life so much recently. Mm -hmm. And so like I've been there um, going on two months now. Um, that first month, I had no sex at all, which anyone who knows me knows that's like, you know, not, 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 some, not, not something I do. Also, I have to say, not people's stereotypical idea. You know, when I turn on the apps, it is, it, it became very clear the difference because like, you know, I can, I can hop on an app in Chicago and like, you know, see all these people and someone on my grid is going to be like GNC trans or fab in some way, right. femme, right. but I haven't gotten that a lot in San Francisco and my feminist in that realm has not been received very well right. either so, so it's yeah it's hard so yeah those the encounters are becoming less but they're also becoming more important because like when i do find those intimate connections i want to hold on to them still see that you know this kind of like femme embodiment is mm -hmm. not valued respected mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um, recognized or desired mm -hmm. and the people who are like responding to me and interacting with me um, and want to go on dates and hang out are trans masculine folks. Since being there, I've had like dates with like four different trans masculine people. Mm -hmm. um, they are the ones who are like responding to me oh, on Grindr and hitting me up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's definitely been the case for me as well. It's a bit different for me just because my own kind of like relationship to um, sexuality is a bit more, I think, capacious mm -hmm. in that I'm really pansexual. So you really just don't know right. <laughs> who Who's going to be, be interested, interesting you. And right. Who, right. Mm -hmm. right. So, so finding mutual interest, although, you know, it may seem like, you know. You've got a bigger universe, right. but maybe not. Depending. Truly not, right? Because right. It, it depends on us mutually being able being to recognize. Being interested, yeah. Right? And what I mean by that is getting past all of the internalized shame that we have around understanding just how capacious, you know, our sexuality can be. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Because, you know, I was, I've once been interpolated as a gay man for a mm -hmm. long time, and, and, that, and that's no longer the case. Well, one of the things that I love that's coming up in both of your stories that I think gets so little appreciation in the sort of mainstream narrative of our queer gay communities mm -hmm. is how much you're held by sort of a rolling community of sexual intimates yes. rather than mm -hmm. a quote-unquote boyfriend or yeah, girlfriend. Right. And that, you know, you've been in a location where there have been lots of people who can meet you where you are, and there's, like, incredible sustenance there. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really reminding me of this play on why I'm calling the pod Just Sex. When we say, well, wait, it's just sex, every time we connect with someone, even if it's for 30 seconds, we can either do it in a way that honors and respects us both right. and sort of lifts us up and is interested in pleasure yes. across the board, or we can just kind of shit on somebody and exactly. move on. Yeah. And that becomes our story of us. I, I, you know, I'm feeling your 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 rotation <laughs> and what it's doing for you. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to end this emergency podcast with an update. Since I had this conversation with Julian and Bishop this summer, which seems like a thousand years ago, I wondered how they are faring in the time of COVID. So Julian wrote to me. They said. I've managed to maintain a single play partner in Richmond since the pandemic began, which has shocked me in many ways. Otherwise, I continue to share videos and pictures of myself at or immediately following the point of orgasm with partners, accompanied by messages expressing what I miss most about our playtime together. It has allowed me to develop, maintain, and rekindle several meaningful connections I've had, even as we find ourselves unable to share physical space for the time being. I look forward to seeing everyone in person as soon as possible. While Bishop reports, One of the hardest things for me right now is that sex and intimacy have become just a huge part of keeping me regulated emotionally and physically, and now they've been essentially cut off. When we recorded the podcast, I spoke a lot about how difficult the transition to the Bay has been in regard to me missing a lot of my hotation and the folks I'd had intimate contact with. COVID has really taken that and multiplied it, but it has also really pushed me for creativity within those intimate partners in order to maintain. I've been sending lots and lots of nudes, which has been both body affirming and given me a new way to please. I've taken to daily naked yoga via FaceTime with a friend, which sometimes leads to mutual jerking off. I've also really learned how important and affirming sex with myself is also investing in sex with myself, new sexy toys. I have folks who continue to make me feel sexy and whom I'm longing to see after this is over. So that's a wrap. As we open our quote-unquote economies and our front doors, let's be careful out there. If you are venturing into new territories and bringing people into your sex life in this period, let's consider what sex with lower risk of exposure to coronavirus might be such as sex with someone who has been very strict about wearing masks everywhere and maintaining social distance, either while living solo or with a lockdown partner or pod, sex that is not in any kind of enclosed space or involves being together for a long period of time. Also, please be clear, kissing, breathing on someone, any kind of sex face-to-face increases risk. Sex that exchanges fluids or involves anal play without a barrier increases your risk of exposure to coronavirus when you're having sex with a new partner. When I think about the best kind of new venture, in-person sex in the time of COVID, I think about sex with someone well-known to me, whose narrative of social distancing I trust, and who has been super serious about wearing a mask and keeping socially distanced. I think about outdoor sex, which I think is going to make a huge comeback in this period. I think of fast, furtive, hot quickies 
as well as backdoor and doggy style positions, which, as we know, never really go out of style. So take care of yourselves, and we'll see you back here next week for our second season finale.